0: Well, I hate to say it, but I think it's time to consider a national divorce or at least a trial separation. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. A lot of things that I want to catch you up on in this first segment of the program. I made that statement at the very beginning about what I call a national divorce or at least a trial separation, and it's not really meant to be funny. I'm actually kind of serious. And I need to explain to you why and where I really believe we as a nation are. In these 50, 55, and up to 60 years that have gone by, a lot has changed in the nation that I I knew and the nation in which I grew up. It's not the same place that I remember. People are meaner. People are more hostile. People are more self-centered. People are, well, more dangerous in many places. Look at New York City. I'm thinking right now, 50 years ago, let's try 55 years ago, 1967, I can remember in 1966 or 1967, 1968, I can remember getting on the Long Island Railroad with my brother who's only about, not even two years older than I am. We're young teenagers. We could get on the Long Island Railroad in Manhasset and take the train into Penn Station in New York and and then take a subway up to Times Square do a little bit of sightseeing, get on the subway, head back to the to Penn Station and back out to the house. We never worried about being pushed off a platform in front of an oncoming subway. People didn't do that. But today we have this very mean spirit that has descended across our land. The anger, the angst, the politics we've seen this past week. by the way, I warned you, and I'll remind you again, that all of those that were looking for the massive red tsunami to paint the nation red and fix all of our problems, it really didn't happen the way all the pundits predicted. People like Gretchen uh, Whitmer and, and... Kathy Hochul, they're still governor in their respective states. John Fetterman, who has no business running for any office, is on his way to the United States Senate. I can go on and on where the wave didn't happen. The tsunami failed. And it's because we have a problem with people in this nation that really don't care about certain things and oftentimes have been led to believe they must care about things that are, well, diabolical, to be quite blunt. When you look at parts of the state of Pennsylvania, saw an article a couple of days ago after the election. There was a, a guy in the Pennsylvania State House that died and he won. He died over a month ago, and he still got 85% of the vote in that district. People voted for a dead man because he's a Democrat. And really, what we have to stop and think is how the the political parties have divided themselves and have identified themselves over the past 50 to 60 years, and in some cases, even longer. Now, I'm, I'm sure there are some people that vote for party based upon what they used to think their party stood for, and they refuse to recognize that it no longer does, in many cases. A lot of people in western Pennsylvania, a lot of people in northeast Ohio, a lot of people in what was considered the industrial regions of the United States, now known as the Rust Belt, they voted Democrat. And they voted Democrat because the Democrats of yesteryear were the party of the unions, good wages. Many of the people voting Democrat, let's say in 1960, 1962, 64, were World War II veterans raising their families and and trying to obtain a good standard of living for themselves and a better life for the children they had than the life that they had experienced prior to and going through World War II. But those Democrats, for the most part, are long gone. The greatest generation has pretty well died off. They're gone. The silent generation is not far behind. And now the first of the baby boomers are in their 70s, heading toward 80. Those mid-boomers like myself are pushing 70, and the last of the boomers are basically heading toward, well, their 60s. And so the generation in which I am in will soon be fading away as well. And we leave behind, my generation, hate to say it, we leave behind an awful mess. Our parents gave us so much. Our parents had oftentimes done without during the Depression and the Second World War, and they struggled to make the lives of their children better. And what did we do? What did, unfortunately, enough of the majority across the nation of baby boomers, unthankful. They believe they're owed something. The blessings of God have been spat upon, walked away from. The churches in which we were once raised as children are are a mere shell of themselves in terms of numbers of people. And many of those churches, in order to stay relevant, have compromised the gospel. They're preaching nonsense. They're preaching a fake gospel. They're preaching damnation and heresy upon themselves. And so I use this term, it's time for a national divorce, so to speak or at least a trial separation, I'm realizing there are some people you just can no longer have a discussion with. There are some people there's no need to to debate because their minds are like concrete. They're, they're thoroughly mixed up and too well said and no no amount of persuasion, logic, or truth will ever penetrate. They don't want to see it. They live in a world that they want that world to be maintained. They're the type that vote for John Fetterman, thinking this guy is good for for the nation. But see, and I I don't want to get so political on this. Just bear with me, please. Today's Democrat Party is a coalition of the most bizarre thinking imaginable from very diverse groups. You have those that believe the most important thing that must be discussed and protected is abortion in this country. And they are totally angry that states now have the ability to decide for themselves how to deal with this particular issue. They don't care if the majority of people, let's say in South Carolina or Tennessee or some other state, do not want abortion on demand late term abortion or any of it they want this to be the law of the land that anybody for any reason at any time at any point along the way can kill the baby in the womb it is literally it is an obsession And it doesn't matter if the economy is unraveling. It doesn't matter if food prices are going through the roof. It doesn't matter if we're going to run out of heating oil in Massachusetts or or New York State or New Jersey or, or Pennsylvania. It doesn't matter if you're going to be cold as long as abortion is made sacrosanct and it's available in the country then they're happy. They will give up food and their jobs and their money and their heating and their transportation to keep abortion. That's why we need a national divorce. You cannot reason with these people any longer. What does the Bible say? What 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 does righteousness have to do with unrighteousness? Why how can the two coexist? We need to separate ourselves from among them. My wife looked at me the other night and said, how can somebody like Kathy Hochul win in New York State with all that's going on with crime? Real easy. Conservative people in New York State, by the many thousands, have moved out of the state. Look at, look at the state of Florida. When I saw Ron DeSantis win Palm Beach County, Miami, Dade, and and a few others, we know that the state of Florida has significantly changed in its demographics. People have left Michigan. People have left New York and New Jersey. And they have fled to states like Florida, Texas, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, It's time for that national divorce. Now, I know that not everybody can pick up and leave the state that they're in. And the only negative is, even if New York was to lose half of their population over the next, I don't know, five years, they would still have two senators in the United States Senate. But they wouldn't have as many representatives in the House of Representatives. They, The conservatives are moving out of Michigan. The conservatives are leaving Massachusetts and Connecticut, New Jersey, if they can. And those that are remaining have got to recognize something. You look at a map of Pennsylvania, for example, or a map of of even Ohio, still kind of a swing state. But this big state of Ohio You have Cleveland, you have Cincinnati, you have Columbus, Toledo. And those four little blue regions contain close to half of the population. And if the cities are big enough and the rural people have abandoned and moved, you get what's happened in Illinois. The people in southern Illinois, have been there, are not like the people you find running the city of Chicago. They're not the J.B. Pricksters or anybody else that you see in office. But see, you have just enough people in a handful of cities that are big to tip the scale. So if you live in small town, Illinois, near the Mississippi River, and you're in the farming business, the state makes it really rough on you. You have to love where you live to be able to tolerate staying there because of your government at the state level because of the big cities. The same is true in upstate New York. I was raised as a child in Long Island, but I spent a lot of time, my high school years, in a small town not far from Lake Ontario, about half hour to the east of Rochester, Finger Lakes area. Small town America, you didn't lock your doors. People never cursed in public. People didn't cut people off on the highway and make obscene gestures either. There was a politeness. And in many parts of that area of New York, there still is a lot of that left. Cities that used to be, I think, premier cities like Rochester have decayed in 50 years and have turned into something they weren't 50 years ago. Syracuse, same thing. Buffalo, same thing. To a lesser extent, even Binghamton, New York. Ohio, as I mentioned, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan. Many of the people in small-town America are leaving and going south. And what they're leaving behind are cities that now run the state. And I believe people like Kathy Hochul and Gretchen Whitmer, J.B. Prickster, they will be allowed to effectively run their states into the ground. And they will not even know that they're doing it. They'll believe they're doing the right thing. They, they believe they're, it's their destiny. And they'll be so blinded, as the Bible says, they'll be delusional they'll be given unto mass delusion thinking that what they're doing is is perfect and righteous and right and what they're doing is destructive and evil and wrong we need to have this divorce it is obvious it is obvious that the majority of people in the United States no longer care about things of morality decency and godliness it's over And as I've said a dozen times before, a number of churches, formerly bastions of the faith, are now heretical, evil, destructive. The gospel is no longer there. The Holy Spirit is gone. And that day of judgment, when these false preachers and false teachers in these pulpits practicing and encouraging sinful lifestyles and the killing of children in the womb they'll stand before an almighty god who will say i never knew you depart from me and they'll say but lord you know we you know we did all this in your name you know we were nice to people we i never knew you depart from me you evil doers and that's what they are evil doers I look at what this radio program is, and I know, and I'm recording this program early by necessity because of the storm that as the time, by the time you're hearing this will have already left, but is coming through Florida. So if WRMI is able to be on the air, you'll hear it, but I needed to make sure it is there early because the ability to get the program delivered could be impaired for a day or more. And so I'm preparing the program a bit early. But I know enough about the election, and you do too. It wasn't a massive tidal wave. It was just a little intrusion. The people in this country, and it goes back to, by the way, I had shared a message on this program, a sermon I preached a number of years ago, based on Jeremiah 4, verse 22. My people are fools. They do not know me. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil. And they know not how to do good. I think that pretty well describes a good chunk of the United States today. It really does. We are no longer the Christian nation. I mentioned this earlier this week that Obama was right a number of years ago in 2007 when he said we're no longer a Christian nation. And a lot of people got upset, but I hate to admit it, but he's right. Are we truly a Christian nation? If we were truly a Christian nation, we wouldn't even be having a discussion about abortion. Because evil people are the ones that want to kill children in the womb. We wouldn't have a lot of these discussions that the extreme left wants to have. The extreme left wants to control every aspect of your life. How you what you're allowed to eat, where you can live, what what you're allowed what kind of vehicle are you allowed to drive, what kind of carbon footprint? You know, carbon is deadly. And here we are, a carbon based planet with carbon based people, with carbon based plant life, and somehow carbon is, is evil. Well, I didn't say they had to be logical. It's just, it sounds normal to them. And so, yeah, we need to be arriving soon at what I call a national divorce. We just have to make the decision and say, you know, Lord, I want to come out from among them. For those of us that are Christians, we need to find or build or open or plant Bible-believing groups of individuals even if you're meeting in a home, come out from among them and do not touch the unclean thing. I can't say it loud enough. And so many of you are not hearing me. If your church is teaching social justice more than they're talking about repentance before the lord jesus christ and believing on him and being washed in his blood get out of that church that church is already condemned they've abandoned the gospel they're preaching another gospel and i don't care if your grandma gave that beautiful stained glass window doesn't make any difference stained glass window will mean nothing in eternity Let them be dead men's bones in fine raiment and nice little buildings as they age out, die out, and become even further irrelevant. On the other side of the break, in just a moment, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this, and I have something else that I also would like to share with you. The baby boomers, the hippies, they're running the show these days. They hadn't noticed. And righteousness is in highly short supply. Decency, the vulgarity on network television. We are not the same people. We're we're calloused and we have evil hearts. And instead of trying to hide the evil, we celebrate it openly. It's time for a divorce disassociate with that crowd for your own sake if you believe in the mission and ministry of truth to ponder and I've got something to share on the other side would you consider a financial gift to keep us on radio you may be off a little bit at WRMI but when they get back it's going to still take money If you'd make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, mailing address, Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510. And the city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowee, Virginia is 24319. That's 24319. And if you'd like, you can also support us from our website, which is truth the number2ponder.com that's truth the number2ponder.com when i get back i'm going to take you back 55 years i think you're going to be enlightened this
1: is truth to ponder with bob beerman living in the jerusalem to come Shalom alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish Connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get in love in a moment. Jerusalem is an amazing word in Hebrew. In Hebrew, you can never really say Jerusalem. The word in Hebrew is Yerushalayim. Try it. Yerushalayim. Which doesn't mean Jerusalem. It means Jerusalem's plural. Jerusalem's always plural. There's always more than one Jerusalem. Not only that, but the ending is such, it's unique, that it doesn't just mean plural, it means two. There are always two Jerusalems. There's one more. It's a mystery. The Jerusalem that's on earth, here and now, it's imperfect. And the Jerusalem which is of heaven, which is perfect, which is yet to come. And those who are born again, the Bible says you are born of Jerusalem. So we are to live in the mystery of salvation. It's, it's to abide in Jerusalem. Not just Jerusalem, but Yerushalayim. To live in both Jerusalems. The key is live now in what is yet to come. Live in the perfect now. Live in the finished work now. Live in the finished victory now. Before you win it. Live in the answered prayer before you get it. Live in the freedom of Messiah before you see it. Rejoice in your blessings before you know it. Live now from the perfect, the finished work of God. Rejoice in the kingdom that is now in Messiah. Live in the victory that he's already done. It is a finished work. Live in what is not yet as if it were. Rejoice in what is to come as it is now. Celebrate what shall be now in faith, and you will have the blessings by living in Jerusalem to come. Yerushalayim. One more, ask for The Heavenly Feast on CD. Now, how'd you like to have a super spiritual walk in the Lord? Well, it it'll help with this your super spiritual supplement, sapphires, daily vitamins for your spirit. You get a free gift subscription and all free. The mystery of the temple doors on CD. You will love it all free. Hidden for for centuries. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus really renamed Yeshua, and you dial it. Just write it down and dial one eight hundred Yeshua one for your free gifts. You will be blessed. But call now one eight hundred Y E S. H-U-A-1. I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. It's the most amazing way you can spread the gospel through Shory radio You'll never do it any farther. It's amazing. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Coss- Dancing. Live in His blessing now. Shalom Aleichem in Messiah, Melech Yerushalayim, the King of Jerusalem.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. If you're going to San Francisco Welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. So thankful for the many of you that listen. It's hard to believe that song is like 55 years old if you're going to San Francisco. And when you look at the leadership in states like California, New York, and Washington, D.C., many of these older statesmen are basically yesterday's hippies. They didn't really learn a whole lot, but they have power in government now, and that, to me, is part of our trouble in this country. See, a lot of the hippie generation—not all of them—there were some Jesus people out there too. But the counterculture, the counterrevolution that we experienced, starting in the 1960s in particular—not say so, it really took off in the 1960s—the counterculture. San Francisco. And this ideology thoroughly swept the land. It took over the music, it took over the media, it took over the movies. Those that were born either during or shortly after the Second World War and and the first half of the baby boomers into the early part of the 1950s were definitely caught up in this movement that defined the United States for years to come. As these individuals went into colleges and universities and then then into jobs, but they kept their ideology, they had abandoned their faith, they turned their back on God and bought into, if it feels good, do it. Just like Crosby, Stills and Nash would sing, love the one you're with, there's there's no commitment anymore that includes even in our faith it's going to be difficult times ahead it didn't get fixed at the ballot box i told you it wouldn't oh we get a little reprieve but you think you'll fix it in 2024 do you think it's going to work no we'll still be on this gradual descent and that is what you have to understand I do this radio program to help you understand the world in which we live. I'm working on a couple of other ministries. One is going to be an online, for lack of a better term, a talk and teaching channel. And it's not ready to be revealed yet because I'm still in some of the technical issue stages to make sure that it's reliable and I'm reaching out to some people that I would like to have on this particular online channel. I have two music channels already up, and that can be found at ancientwordradio.com. You've heard that term, ancient word. ancientwordradio.com. I started this project a number of years ago, and it still needs some work, but I'd like you to begin to take a look, and soon I'll have the talk and teaching channel. Now, I don't... it'll reach millions of people but i just pray it'll reach those that need to be reached need to be encouraged need to have a way to fellowship be edified in as in their day-to-day life encouraged and to learn and that is a project that i completely believe in and it's one that i'm working on and also the good news that i did hadn't had a chance to mention yet i know some of you have been concerned about my health I got a good report on what is wrong with me and it's gonna be taken care of and I'll be around for a while. And I may get into more of it next week as I know a little bit more, but everything is just more, I'm just praising God uh, for where we are today, where we could have been or might have been. And so for all of you that have prayed for me and encouraged me, thank you. My health is getting stronger. I do plan on planning that church here in this area of Virginia couple of other churches i'm working with to help get planted as well we need to be about the master's business the harvest is white for harvest there's a lot of weeds out there that are going to be separated but the time has come we can't just hide behind our four walls we have to be engaged the best thing to do is separate ourselves from those that refuse to hear the message. What did Jesus tell the disciples two by two? Kick off the dust off your shoes if the message is not received and move on. Stop wasting your time. If your church is not preaching the gospel, get out. And if you can't find one, contact me, we'll help you get one started. I wanna take you back about five years ago to a message that I preached at a church in Georgia. And this will kind of help you in understanding what we need to do in our personal lives and in the life of the church. So let's go back five years ago. The year was 1967. It's a long time ago, 50 years. I remember it well, unfortunately. I was in the eighth grade junior high school as they called it back then, middle school I guess they call it today, and I was attending Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Hicksville, Long Island. It was a big church, five services every Sunday morning, five different choirs, quite an operation. My parochial school class when I was in the eighth grade We were 75 strong in that little church of 8th graders. We were kindergarten through the 8th grade, and I had been there since kindergarten. The fall of 1967 was a big time at that church. The choirs rehearsing special anthems, practicing hymns, getting ready for a very festive Reformation Sunday, which is a big deal when you are a Lutheran. Trust me, it is. I am wearing red today as a good Lutheran would when you, remember, when you remember the Reformation. A lot has happened in these past 50 years since the 450th anniversary, which was the big deal when I was in the eighth grade. The Vatican has forgiven Luther and accepted him into the fold in these 50 years, something we never would have thought of 50 years ago. A lot has happened. The Reformation and Martin Luther is an interesting character. He was born into a fairly well-to-do prosperous family. His, His father made his living in a couple of things. He He was involved in mining, actually some copper mining, way back 500 some odd years ago. He also had this keen interest in government and the law. And he believed his very intelligent oldest son, Martin, should be a lawyer. He really believed that Martin would be a great lawyer and encouraged him for years in that direction. Now they were also a very devout Christian family. This was a core of their existence. And in that time in Germany, of course, it is basically the Roman Catholic Empire in Germany where they lived, where Luther was educated. Luther went on to college, the university, and there decided in a short amount of time, the law was not for him. He did not like the law at all. He felt it empty. He felt it wanting, he felt it very lacking. And though it was a great disappointment to his father, he decided to pursue philosophy. But even philosophy is something that Luther found still wanting and lacking and missing something. He didn't like the law. Think about our gospel today. Who confronted Jesus? The lawyers. With a trick question. Guess what happened? Jesus stumped the lawyers. So Martin Luther now is studying philosophy He's not going for a law degree. He's working on various degrees, and his father is like, when are you going to get a life? Almost sounds like a millennial. (laughs) When are you going to do something with your life? One day, Martin Luther was traveling back to the university. He had been at home. It was in the month of July. He was about 17 or 18 years of age, And from what I've been told, we in the South, places like Kansas, Alabama, even parts of Georgia, we can get some horrendous thunderstorms. And bad, what do they call them around here, a cloud coming. They don't have that that often in Germany as compared to some of the places we see in the United States. So here Luther is traveling on a horse, heading back to the university, and he encounters this really bad and vicious thunderstorm. And a bolt of lightning strikes very close by and virtually almost knocks him off his horse and he's in fear of his life. And he cries out to Saint Anne, if you'll save me from this storm, I'll become a monk. He thought he was gonna die, is what he told people later on, so he didn't really care about the promise. He was certain he was gonna die. But he didn't. And he felt very obligated to keep his promise about becoming a monk, which he did. You think his father was upset before? (laughs) (laughs) My son the lawyer is now an impoverished monk. What are you thinking? But see, it's there that Luther finally began to to wrestle the demons inside of him. For see, on the day of that thunderstorm, the day that he thought he was gonna die, he still was living in this abject fear of God being the great thunderer and and mean-spirited person ready to condemn you on a moment's notice. He lived in fear of his sin He lived in fear of God, not knowing that God truly loved him. And so, for the next many years, he spent a lot of time in prayer, fasting, praying, confessing, confessing, and confessing his sins ad infinitum to be right with God in case He was to die, he did not want to be separated from God because of his sin. And during this time as a monk, he continued his study and he earned additional doctorate degrees in languages, the biblical languages. And it's there, it's there as a monk, as he's looking at the Word of God and reading it and literally writing it down. you are justified by faith not of your own works a light bulb went off when he read that he had to read it again you are justified by faith not of your works and he's thinking to himself all my life i've been told you have to earn your way to heaven you have to be perfect you have to never be sinful you better be confessed up just in case Like the mafia guys we see back in the 50s. They went to confession very often, thinking that would save them. They didn't repent. They were just looking for an escape clause. And here, Luther finds out, if you truly love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, the first and great commandment, and you believe on his name, You are justified. You are made right with God. There's nothing you can do to add to it. He wrestled with that for quite a long time. But it was good news to him to realize that all this time we had taken something so simple, the gospel message, and made it so convoluted, confusing, difficult. Luther started looking at the Christian faith in his homeland of Germany at that time. And he saw people doing things in, quote, the name of God and the church that he found very disturbing. Luther never, ever intended to start a church, believe me. He just wanted to see the church be put back on the proper course that God intended. No more, no less. And he fought inside of himself on how to express these problems that the church needed to address to restore itself to the church that Christ had established on this earth the gift that we have for all time. Back in those days, we didn't have Facebook, the internet, radio, television, web pages. The way you got the word out, if you had an announcement to make, you put it on the door of the church because everybody would go to the church. It's a bulletin board. And All Saints Day back in those days, November the 1st, was a very considered day of obligation. Everybody's going to be showing up that day. So the night before, all hallowed evening, where we get the word Halloween, Luther goes to the church and has his document that he has written with his 95, shall we say, questions, problems, concerns that people need to understand with what they're seeing occurring with the selling of indulgences and a whole bunch of other things that have crept its way in. Indulgences, if you never heard that, to raise money for some of the projects in Germany and in Rome, they would sell you this indulgence to pardon you from your sin for cash. And as Luther said in the Loose English transition, this Translation, there's a guy named John Tetzel. That he was a great salesman. I mean, he was really good. This guy could sell freezers to Eskimos in Alaska. And he would go into the countryside selling indulgences to everybody to get themselves into heaven. And even for your dead relatives. Because when the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory shall spring is pretty much the translation. And Luther didn't like that as he was beginning to understand we're justified by faith, not of our own works. These are the things that he was fighting. These are the things that he was concerned about. Well, to make a long story short, that offended the status quo and the political status quo And had it not been for an invention that had occurred just before Luther's time, the Gutenberg Press, we wouldn't know anything about this today. For see, those 95 theses were printed and distributed all over Europe in a matter of weeks. That Reformation didn't just stay in Germany, it worked its way across Europe, even into England, everywhere. It was never his intent to start a new church, though people did in his name, not that he founded it. As I look over history, there have been many times since the day that Jesus talks about his ecclesia, his chosen one, his church, that's you and I, we're the church, that we've had to come to this time of stop, pause, Rethink, repair, repent, and reform to get back to where we're supposed to be. I look at the churches today. We're overdue for a reformation in this country. Trust me. Way overdue. Luther gave the church not just his hundreds of volumes of works and writings. He gave the church something it had never really had before. And Paul, you reminded us today, music, the hymns. Our closing hymn today will be one of Luther's great hymns, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. But he wrote other hymns. And others had followed, and J.S. Bach, oh man. He just takes it to a whole new level in our worship and praise and music of adoration that makes us humble before an almighty God. The Reformation gifts don't belong to Lutherans alone. They don't belong to Catholics, Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, you name any group you want. We all have inherited something from this Reformation. The fact that we can look at this Bible. By the way, one of Luther's gifts to Germany was to finally solidify it to have one language when he translated his Bible into German. People forget that because their language was kind of diverse, but it became unified because of Luther's Bible. His catechism... If you look at a lot of catechisms, which are training, you have the small catechism for youngsters, the larger one for adults, to explain all the basic things of the faith, the simple things, make it easy to understand. Luther believed, because the Scriptures said, faith is really very simple, it's not complicated, it doesn't take a whole lot of our ability to understand it, it's a free gift of God. No more, no less. So today, as we look back in a couple of days, it's gonna be October 31st. And I want you to imagine this young monk, an Augustinian monk, wrestling for days. Do I dare even take a stand? Do I just keep my mouth shut? Do I just pray it through? And in that evening in the darkness, he goes to the church and on the door, he makes his case for God's word. And why God's word is supreme. He was a hunted and wanted man for years. But you know something, the Lord preserved him and the gift that he's given to his church, Christ's church, not Luther's church, Christ's church, everywhere. We are still benefactors to this day. Heavenly Father, we at times need to be put back on the right path. We need to be reminded that we belong to you that this is your church and you've given us such a great and free gift. Salvation is great. Salvation is free. Salvation only requires us to accept it, to receive it as a gift from you. Father, remind us that we cannot buy it, we cannot earn it. We don't deserve it, but you give it to us freely because you have given us most important gift to the church you've given us your grace father teach us to treasure this grace and let it reform our hearts and draw us closer to you for this we ask in jesus precious name and everybody said amen (laughs) If we are truly honest with ourselves, we need to understand something important. The majority of people in the United States, you can see it reflected by the voting this past week, are not involved in any kind of religious or church activity of any kind. That's the majority of people. And of those that claim to be involved in some kind of church or religious organization or group. Many are in churches or groups that have abandoned the gospel and teach heresy. They teach lies. And they are condemning their people. And then you have those that believe they can be in the church of their choice and not accept what their church teaches and somehow that's still okay. They can be a cafeteria Christian. They can choose to believe this and ignore that. I started the program with the question, we need kind of a national divorce. We have people that have strayed from the gospel, just like a a marriage partner may stray in a marriage and be unrepentant. Or being unequally yoked with a non-believer. That's what we are right now in many cases as Christians in this world. We are in this world, but we are not of it. So why are we trying to be so much a part of it? I warned you two years ago, I warned you a week ago. Don't put your hope in princes or the sons of men. Everybody kept saying, but Bob will fix it at the election. You just see, Wait, wait till Tuesday, you'll see. It'll all be fixed, it'll be a big red tsunami and everybody's gonna be happy again. And it'll be, yeah. Minor changes evil had their four steps forward and it gave one step, maybe two, back. But over the next couple of years, evil will take three, four, or five more steps and you might think you're doing something to get one back. Stop being deceived. I've been voting 50 years. Nothing has changed in the long run at all. It's still the same. It's still heading toward a date with destiny of God's judgment. We need to be right with God. My work at Ancient Word Radio, my work with this program, Truth to Ponder, and Church Planning, this is who I'm about, and I thank God that my health will allow me to do it. Your prayers meant more to me over these past days than you'll ever know. And I'm humbled. I'm humbled by those that financially support the work that we're doing here. And if you can, would you consider, number one, let me know how you listen. I'm not cultivating email addresses. I'm not gonna put you on a mailing list. If you wanna send me an email, it's bob at truth2ponder.com. Comes directly to me, bob at truth2ponder.com. If you believe in the work that we're doing, Would you make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? And you can mail it to Post Office Box 510, PO Box 510. And the city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowie, Virginia is 24319. That's 24319. We need reformation. We need people to stand boldly for the cause of Christ. We need people that are willing to say what needs to be said. To preach in season and out of season when it's popular, when it's not popular. But always in truth and under the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you let me know that you listen? I would love to hear from you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth